at one point, Stan looks at Cameron and says, I hear you like Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to the Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name, again, is Michael Campbell, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, actor and comedian, Eden Tallboy Porter. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Thank you for having me, Cambo. So this is what I'm thinking, because podcasting, audio medium, obviously. So people are missing, like, the visual stimulation. So they may not know you're, you're a taller man. I'm a tall lad, and very handsome as and well. very, very handsome. So you didn't mention handsome, <laughs> I noticed. Mainly the tall I was talking about. <laughs> Good. Uh, but yeah, in fact, here's here's something that people may not know. Uh, we do little promo videos for our, uh, you know, our season one and presumably season two, where we're standing next to each other. But uh, you're so much taller than me that you did graciously kind of duck down. Yeah, I, I, I now have a bad back from the stooping <laughs> that I have to do. Not only do I have to hold you up in this podcast with my knowledge yeah. and skill, but also physically I have to stoop down. And that's a, it's little. like, I, I don't even think it's, it's not, I hope, vanity on my part being like, oh, you can't look too much taller than me. But the framing does look very weird. When, we when we call it the, the Tom Cruise. Cruise complex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's. I notice you do wear big shoes, Cambo. <laughs> Very big shoes. Huge platforms. <laughs> yeah. It looks like something out of the seventies. <laughs> so this week's episode, much like Superman lives before it, one of our most requested projects to cover. Oh, it's a big boy. It's been requested by uh, Daniel Quacker, Chris Saunders from California, uh, Luke Judd from Victoria, Thomas McCoyd from Scotland, Nick Kurtz on Instagram to name but a few. It is our second most requested film to cover behind Superman Lives. We're going global, Campbell. We're That's from every global. corner of the world. So we don't want to leave them waiting. We don't want to leave you waiting. Let's get into James Cameron's Spider-Man. Spider-Man is one of the most beloved comic book characters of all time. And James Cameron is a man who has twice managed to score himself the highest grossing film of all time. On paper, the pairing of the two seems like a match made in heaven. And in the mid-90s, that is exactly what almost happened. But how did this happen? And what was the film about? And why did it fall apart? Before we get into it, Eden, what do you know about James Cameron's Spider-Man? Well, I know a lot about Spider-Man in general because we've had about 15 different incarnations <laughs> of it at this stage. But I do remember hearing about uh, Jim, as he's known to his friends. That's yeah. what I call him. Um, actually working on He makes on me this. call him James. Oh, good. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Cameron. <laughs> yeah, very good. But I remember, he I remember hearing some casting rumours. Yes, yes. But um, I didn't hear a lot after. And then I remember a reference in the show Entourage where James Cameron <laughs> makes uh, Aquaman yeah. and they were talking about Spider-Man like... Yeah. Back in the day and just, stuff like that. Just side note, I rewatched Entourage recently. <laughs> yeah. Whew. And it holds up? It does not hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? So I, I want to give credit to there's a there's a video online by a channel called Super Void Cinemas. And they've put together this really comprehensive video about James Cameron's Spider-Man, about the production, the behind the scenes of it. And I want to give that a shout out because I scoured the internet for so many clips uh, of people talking about this movie like going to the depths, finding all these weird clips and, and whatnot. And then I eventually stumbled upon this video and all of them were in the video. Oh, good. <laughs> so, A one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I could have just gone here. But I'm going to link it in the show notes. It'll be there to watch. It is more about the production and we're going to get into the story of the movie more so than him. But check out this video because it's really, really comprehensive if you want a little more detail on it. But picture this, Eden. Early 90s. Do you remember it? Yeah, I was so early. So 1990, I was in uh, grade prep. So great thing with me, every year was the year I was at school. So 91, I was in grade one, 92. You're a decade in, baby. Yeah, that's right. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the same, <laughs> which is good. You can really easily work out how old you were. So yo-yos were big. Um, what else was happening in the 90s? Oh, um, Hypercolor, was that 90s? Hypercolor <laughs> was very big. Um, also, uh, like, pogs and glow caps were very big. Yeah, and I'll tell you what else had been happening in the 90s. The rights for Spider-Man had been handed around. Oh. So the rights for Spider-Man had been handed around for years between the 80s and the 90s because Marvel at this point, is pretty much broke. Yeah, they're penniless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were trying to sell off all their properties. Yeah, yeah. And there's stuff. stories yeah. of like one of the writers getting there and they're like selling cabinets on the street to try <laughs> So yeah, the, the, the rights to Spider Man were sold for like pennies on the dime. And no one had really been able to crack it and it had been moving from production company to production company. And at one point, Canon Films, 
had the right. Yeah, well, this was um, uh, what wasn't this um, Treasure Island? No, uh, no, no, no. You're thinking of uh, Cutthroat Island? Yeah, I'm thinking of Cutthroat. Island. No, from the Crusaders. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. so they've been <laughs> buying up some Marvel properties, uh, and then it, it continued to be sold, and eventually ended up with a production company called Carol Co Pictures. Now, here's an important thing to note. So, Canon sold it to Carol Co Pictures. And important to note that uh, one of the producers, a guy with the last name Golan from Canon Films, insisted that even though it no longer belongs to Canon, he insisted that he must stay on as a producer. And I make note of that because it's going to come up toward the end of this episode okay. or toward the end of next episode, I should okay. say. Okay, okay. So there's, so there's some legal mumbo-jumbo yeah, happening. His name is Golan. We'll call him Golan for short. Great name. He insisted that no matter what, even though Canon, the production company he works for, does no longer they own sold the rights, it. he must be a producer on Spider-Man. Okay. Keep that in mind. Okay. That's in at, the back of my mind. At the right same now, time, mate. Stan Lee, you're familiar? Big Marvel time. Comics. And Chris, Ca- uh, Chris Claremont, who was a famous writer, he wrote a lot of X-Men and, and whatnot during the 90s. They were trying to pitch an X-Men movie. And they were going around to different production companies pitching the idea of the X-Men. And eventually they ended up uh, with a meeting at Lightstorm Entertainment pitching the idea of X-Men. And for those unfamiliar with Lightstorm Entertainment, the production company belonging to James Cameron. So here is Chris Claremont showing uh, how the idea of an X-Men movie evolved into something else. Stanley and I are off on, this is when I'm still employed there. We're off on a conference meet with this director who's just opening up his own studio, Lightstorm. So we go in for a meeting with Jim Cameron to pitch the X-Men. Now, just think about this for a minute. James Cameron's X-Men. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. That's what we were playing with. So we're sitting there. And, we're, and we're, he's got this beautiful photograph, I mean, this, this sequential photograph of, of the, the nuke from Abyss at the bottom of the, the Marianas Trench, kind of. Look great. So we're chatting. And at one point, Stan looks at Cameron and says, I hear you like Spider-Man. Cameron's eyes lit up. And they start talking and talking and talking. And about 20 minutes later, all the guy, Lightstorm guys and I are looking at each other, and we all know the X-Men deal has just evaporated before our eyes. So Chris Claremont, <laughs> the slowest talking man in comics. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, essentially saying that they went there to pitch the X-Men, and just by happenstance, they discovered that James Cameron was a huge Spider-Man fan and he immediately was like, yeah, yeah, I don't care about the expert. I want to make (laughs) Spider-Man. So after this, after that one uh, initial meeting, James Cameron was hired to write and direct Spider-Man. He was going to write it as well. He was going to write it and direct it. Uh, And he was going to write a scriptment, which is something that he does. And I'll I'll touch on that in just a moment. uh, As soon as he finished Terminator 2. So 1993 was the year he was going wow. to finish Terminator 2 and write a, a, a script for Spider-Man. And because of this, he had to do it through Carol Co., who owned the rights. So there's two treatments that exist for this movie. And this is more of a clarification thing than anything. There's one treatment that has Dr. Octopus in it, and it does have James Cameron's name on it, but he actually didn't write any, like didn't write a single word of it. He literally slapped his name on the script to say, legally, yeah, I'm involved with this project. I'll revise and whatever. But just to essentially get it passed, he slapped his name on it. But he didn't have any involvement on it. There's a second uh, treatment out there, the one that we're going to cover today, that he wrote himself from scratch in which Dr. Octopus does not appear at all. And the reason I bring this up is because the rumored casting for Dr. Octopus for many years in the 90s was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. <laughs> so he doesn't appear in this, oh, in this script. So that's straight out of like the Mr. Freeze yes. sort of era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's a scriptman? I hear you scream. Yes. <laughs> Pipe down. So, so, 
So this is something that James Cameron is pretty well known for, where he doesn't write a treatment in the traditional sense, which is a document a couple of pages long, the basic outlines of a story. He writes a very detailed treatment, like many, many, many pages. This one's around 30 pages. But part of it is also actual script, like dialogue from a script. So it's like this weird hybrid between a first draft of a script and a really detailed treatment. So this project is a little different to any other that we've covered on this show before in that it's not a fully produced script. And most of what you're going to hear us read is directly written by James Cameron, except for a few small edits to to keep things... It goes off the rails. Okay, good, so good. We've trimmed I can't it up wait. a little bit. This is great. It, it's, it's James Cameron himself. Now, now, have you got James Cameron reading any of the lines? It's Jim. Okay, so yeah, I call him Jim. <laughs> we're friends again. Yeah. So there were rumors of cast, but we should point out that no one was ever confirmed, and most of these were rumors. And some of the casting seems to me like fans of James Cameron fan casting, casting it, something. Yeah. But. It is somewhat accepted that at the time, the front runner to play Spider-Man, to play Peter Parker. Are you aware of yeah, this? I'm a, I know who this is. Yes. Leonardo DiCaprio. Good Leo. Good old Leo. He, he was the front runner. There was talk that James Cameron also wanted Edward Furlong. Oh, Obviously, he yes. just worked in, in Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. But uh, the scuttlebutt around Hollywood was Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Leo himself had said- What what, 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 was, what had Leo just done? Had he he'd done the- uh, it, it would have been Gilbert Grape. Gilbert Grape? Yeah. So yeah. he's coming off that like early buzz. Yeah. Okay. You know how like you know, they get an early Oscar buzz and they stick him in a spandex <laughs> suit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Leo even said once that he's like, I don't remember ever properly auditioning, but I do remember there was a lot of talk about me doing this. Uh, the role of May Parker uh, was reportedly set for Maggie Smith. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, Mary Jane Watson was uh, Robin Lively, an actress I'm not overly familiar with. Uh, jo- uh, J. Jonan Jameson was R. Lee Emery, who you might oh, remember. Yeah, of course. The drill instructor. Yeah, exactly. Full Metal Jacket. Great casting. That would have been, oh, my God. That, that would, that's inspired. Yes. Now, this is where I think this has been fan cast a little bit. Uh, Sandman appears in this film, uh, and apparently he was going to be played by Michael Bean who is a James Cameron regular. Yeah. And then uh, Electro also appears in this film. There's two villains. And he was reportedly going to be played by Lance Hendrickson. Oh, wow. So, again, they do suit the characters somewhat, but it does yeah. seem like people are like, who does James Cameron, Cameron like? cast? Yeah, yeah. That's but it's probably going to be those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is the the reported cast that was going to be involved in this but movie. But there's surely not that many villains in it. There's two you'd, villains. You'd have to be insane to put more than one <laughs> villain in a Spider-Man movie, wouldn't you? So we're going to get into the scriptment by James Cameron as written like word for word by James Cameron with some reenactments. Love so it. let's get into it. A geometrical pattern fills the screen. Silver threads in moonlight, parts of a spider's intricate web. It moves slightly and we see behind it the glint of an eye. Pulling back, two eyes blinking in the darkness behind a mesh of fishnet material. Continue pulling back to reveal a face, a face shrouded in darkness, covered by a web-like pattern. Obviously we're starting to see Spidey's face. Camera rotates now. 180 degrees. Spider-Man hangs upside down. Of course he's upside down. Now, in, this was written in the mid-90s in New York. Where do you think Spider-Man is hanging from? Uh, between the, uh, the Twin Towers. Spider-Man hangs upside down 1,400 feet above the street on the radio mast of the North Tower yeah. of the World Trade course, Center. Of course, of course. A quarter mile below us, the traffic moves... Uh, and there's like lights, like a, it explains like an electrical grid through the city. The streets, cabs and cops, people on the move, humanity in all its, uh, gl- in all its glory. From stockbrokers to hookers to priests to junkies. <laughs> Welcome to one of my favorite night spots. The service is slow, but the thing I like about it is it's not usually too crowded. It all looks so civilized from up here, doesn't it? Like there's some kind of logic to it all. It's all so clear. But you get down there, on the street, and nothing is clear. A corner newsstand, 
pushing in on a stack of Newsweek, close to the top one. The cover is grainy, long lens, black and white shot like a UFO photo of a guy in tights, apparently crawling up the side of a building. The headline reads, The Spider-Man hero or vigilante, you decide. A web shoots and collects one, taking it back out of view. How can I expect them to get it? I don't even get it. I wish they'd at least get my name right. It's Spider-Man, not the Spider-Man. Jeez, boneheads. I need a better publicist. Wouldn't they have a kitten if they knew Spider-Man wasn't even a man? Just a kid named Peter! Close up with an old woman yelling. Peter, you're going to be late! It's morning and she's calling up the stairs to Peter Parker, aged 17. That day at school, that's uh, May, in case yes, anyone yeah, didn't pick up yeah. with that. <laughs> uh, that day at school, Peter daydreams about the girl across the room, Mary Jane Watson. Peter is captivated by her, though she doesn't seem to even know that he exists. The teacher tells them to pair up for the term science projects, and to Peter's surprise, Mary Jane comes all the way over to him hey, and asks to be his partner. <gasps> now, I've cut a little something out of this. Which is, uh, I think that when James Cameron was writing this script, he was like working out some issues as well. Because there's what I can only describe as a several paragraph like manifesto where it's like, they wouldn't get Peter. How could they? He likes to learn stuff and that's not cool. He's seen as a what? freak. He's not one of these cool jock kids. It goes on for like. So like, he, like he's working out. this like, <laughs> yes. I got teased at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so the point is that uh, Peter is one of the freaks, not one of the cool, cool guys. Kids, yeah. So Mary Jane Watson approaches him. Now Mary Jane is going out with one of the school's top studs, Nathan McCready, aka Flash. Flash. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's another thing that you're going to see a lot in this uh, script is characters' names are just changed. Okay, for yes. no reason. <laughs> so not Flash Thompson, Nathan McCready, but people call him Flash. Flash. Yeah. Uh, now Nathan is a top athlete and a player on the senior football team and the head of the gymnastics team. He also is a tennis snob and drives a Porsche. Does he do the little ribbon routine <laughs> as well on the pommel horse? I love this thing where it's like, this is this sounds like someone yeah, wow. James Cameron knew. It's like, oh, and also he's a tennis snob and he drives a Porsche. Yeah, and he does, and he's gym and he's football and he does everything. He's Oh man, he's so jealous. <laughs> now later on at a college seminar, the tour moves through the uh, lab complex. Uh, now Peter is, is kind of touring the colleges where he might go. And uh, there's a, a glimpse of a restricted area where some of the more advanced research. Oh, I, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> now, the, the person leading the tour, he says, uh, using the synthesized transfer RNA to recode the genomes of a fruit fly, transferring genetic information from one species of fly to another. Here you can see 10 mutagenically activated flies on the left and 10 control flies on the right. There are only nine flies on the left. What's going to happen? How is this? Is this Spider-Man or Flyboy? <laughs> <laughs> now the tiny, uh, tiny spider drops down. So they've obviously caught the fly in his web. Oh. Spider drops down from above on a nearly invisible thread. Peter below is oblivious as the arachnid descends and it lands on his hand. He feels a stinging pain and sees the spider and he smashes it. He stands there rubbing his hand, but then he hurries to catch up with the group. Now, Peter that sounds is, like an origin story, <laughs> doesn't it? Now, uh, this is something else maybe we should point out. This script, you you are going to find there are some similarities to the Sam Raimi version. Yeah. And then there are some wild differences. Because <laughs> uh, what was Sam, Sam Raimi's was 2002? Yes, directed yeah. by, uh, written by David Cope, yep. who's the screenwriter in that. And David Cope, I believe, almost was going to give James Cameron a story credit because there are elements that do oh, bleed wow. over. Okay. But you, you're going to realise... About halfway through that they take a, a wild turn. Yes, I love wild turns. <laughs> now, Peter's on the subway on the way home. And he's rubbing his hand, which is red and swollen. And he's starting to perspire and feel faint. His lips are dry. By the time Peter gets home, his vision is blurry. And he goes straight to bed, avoiding Aunt May. He pulls off his clothes and staggers towards the bed, but collapses on the floor. He's racked by a convulsive tremor, like a seizure. He's plunged into a psychotropic state in the abyss of darkness, visions which yawn beneath him. 
a David Lynch bio-horror montage of Spider World. Shadowy images off the rooftops, crawling over buildings and fences, leaping through the dark air. Peter awakens in the sunlight. So he's having like... Wow. Weird, trippy spider dream. So you, know, so you notice how he put a, a abyss in there? Yeah. Just uh, snuck that in. It was a titanic dream he had. And then in brackets, it just says Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he got lazy. Yeah, good. <laughs> so Peter awakens in the sunlight. His, his eyes fall on something moving in a ray of sunlight coming through the window. Just, it's a spider descending on a single silken strand. Peter looks in the bathroom mirror. He looks normal. He notices suddenly... That he can see perfectly. But he's not wearing his glasses. He rushes into the bedroom and puts them on and the world goes fuzzy. What? He throws them across the room and what's going on? Is it puberty? Is it a metaphor? It's reverse puberty, mate. (laughs) That's the exact scene that Tobey Maguire goes through. Yes. Like on off. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because this was reportedly to be Leonardo DiCaprio and they had like a gang in the 90s. Called the Pussy Posse. Are you familiar with this? This is it was River Phoenix and Leo and those and guys. Leo and uh, David Blaine, David Blaine <laughs> and Toby Maguire. Yeah, so yeah, because Toby and Leo were like, yeah, like best really buds. Birds. So yeah. I find it funny that like it could have been Leo and end up being Toby, which are kind of like yeah. two sides of the same coin at one point. So this is what I find interesting. So Peter is exhausted by this ordeal of taking his glasses on off, and he goes to bed. <laughs> You've just had a seizure for an hour. You've basically been asleep, Leo. And he sleeps soundly, but the spider dreams come again. The next day, tight on Peter as he wakes up, he breathes a sigh of relief. He pulls back the covers in. Something is causing the sheets to stick to him. Oh, mate. He lifts it, revealing a sticky white mass. No, this is not real. Completely covering him, gluing him to the bedding. It is some silky substance webbing him onto the covers. He cries out in dismay, struggling to free himself from the gluey strands. Where did it come from? He notices his wrist. Now, before we get onto his... Okay, hang on. I just want to say this straight off the bat. Yeah. That's not... He's not going to be able to get away with that. Oh, Aunt May, oh, I'm really <laughs> sorry I ruined my sheets. I've just got some spider webbing that's come out of my wrist. No. But it is clearly supposed to be a wet dream, right? Like, 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is if Aunt I, May knows it. If I Uncle remember ben knows it. my MTV Movie Awards spoofs, is a joke they had when Jack Black played Spider-Man. Is it is like, oh, yes. it's not all webbing. Yeah. That's exactly right. So really, they've look, they've hit the nail on the head on the comedy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jim Cameron. Jim Cameron. Uh, I call him Jim. Yeah. <laughs> he can, he can Mr. Be- Cameron's known for his gags. <laughs> so he notices his wrists, almost invisible slits about a quarter of an inch long. He pushes the skin next to the one of the slits and Ugh. a dark shape the size and colour of a rose thorn emerges from beneath the skin and it shoots a jet of liquid silk into his face. So this right is Right in the where... face. That's the money shot right <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, interestingly, this is where the organic web shooters originated, which is something that was in the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi Because movie. It's, it's never organic. It's always he invents it he himself invents it, and, he has, yeah. and he runs out sometimes yeah, exactly. when he's doing things. And he so has to, it, was, yeah. it was kind of a, a point of contention with some uh, long-term Spider-Man fans the idea that he has these organic webs uh, from the Sam Raimi movies, but it came from James Cameron. I think so, he doesn't have it when he gets the symbiote, when he become he, he can have infinite when he has the symbiote. And interesting, on him after well. the movie came out in the early 2000s, in the comic, it changed. It like, did, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, yeah. like, that, that was the big thing. Everyone knew that now. Yeah. So they, that happens a fair bit in comics. Like, if a movie gets popular enough, they change the comic to be more like the movie. So he gets out of bed and he pulls the silky webbing off himself, realizing how strong the stuff is. He looks again at the horrifying spindlets on his wrists. He's hyperventilating, freaking out. Peter bangs out of the back door of his house and starts to run anywhere, trying to get away from himself, away from what's happening to him. This is very angsty, Mate, isn't it? It's so angsty. <laughs> it's like a John Hughes movie we've got going here. He runs and runs in a blind frenzy, not realising how fast he is going. Peter shoots through the trees and bursts onto the street. So, like, you know, the trees along the, the yeah. side. He doesn't jump. Jump a tree, tree yeah. yeah. But still, did, could Spider-Man always run really fast? Was that one of his... I don't, I don't remember it's that. It's like one of those vague things. You know how he's, like, vaguely strong? Stronger? Yeah, yeah. okay. 
So, right in front of a... He, he leaps through onto the street right in front of a speeding delivery truck. Peter leaps. The truck roars on. Horn honking. Peter realises that he's 20 feet above the ground. He yells in terror. He's sticking to the side of a perfectly smooth building. <laughs> Does it say perfectly smooth? It says perfectly okay. smooth Just, building. He's not holding onto a little crack or anything. This is perfectly smooth. Yeah, by the palm of... Uh, so he's hanging on by his palms of a perfectly, perfectly smooth, smooth building. He's two stories up. Oh he's God. like a cat stuck in a tree. He doesn't know how to get down. Several scenes follow. It's a bit of a montage. Montage, yeah. Is As this Peter- like the Go Web montage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go Web, go. go yeah. <laughs> Away Web. <laughs> uh, Peter's realizing his new physical powers, strength and agility. He picks up the back end of a small car by its bumper. Is he dreaming? That's what he's written here for some reason. <laughs> he finds a... a he finds a position in his hand which seems like to trip the spinlets with his wrist, which is oh, the classic yeah. Spider-Man, you know, the, the thwip uh, yeah. little hand motion. The, the, the fluid jets under pressure like a shot from a squirt gun, and he tests it. Can't wait. Peter shoots some up a tree uh, limb and hangs from it, swinging back and forth. So he's starting, he's starting to, to get the, the swing in. Yeah. Cut to Peter at school. His sleeves pulled down. Nervously looking around, he's hiding. Because he's a freak, you see. <laughs> exactly. All the jocks will oh, they'll murder him. They <laughs> don't understand. Yeah, man. <laughs> In biology class, he tells the teacher he, he wants to do the term project on spiders. Mary Jane is aghast. That's a word he's actually <laughs> no, used. No, it's not. She thinks they're revolting. Peter just wants to know more about them. <laughs> so this saying- is like sweaty kid. Like, I just want to do my project on spiders, sir. And then the hot chick's like, spiders are gross. I find them interesting. I just want to know more about them. I just want to say one thing. I would never date a spider. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. I hate spiders and I'd never date some sort of half man, half spider. But what if he was just misunderstood? (laughs) He's not one of the jocks. He would have to be really misunderstood. (laughs) So Peter is in a junkyard after school and he's making sure no one is around and he starts practicing his shooting silk. That night, he's working on his homework and the window is open. He looks out into the darkness. It beckons him. The darkness beckons. It beckons him. Now, Peter is leaping from roof to roof. He shoots some webbing onto a light stand and slowly lowers himself onto the street, perfectly landing. He blows... He bows theatrically to nobody. And then this is written in bold. This is great! (laughs) (laughs) Again, not my words. These are the words of of, Mr. Cameron. Correct. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) So he goes to Mary Jane's house. He drops down from the roof and looks in her window like a creep. This is massive stalkering. She turns off the light and she thinks that she is unobserved and she strips off her clothes. What? She slips into the bed in just her panties and a T-shirt. But even this forbidden glimpse is too much for Peter. He loses his concentration and the palm from the wall, like his grip on the wall, it slips and he crushes into the rose bushes. He's bounding from the darkness as the lights come back on from the house behind him. That is that is not, that is setting up creeper vibes, it's mate. It's so, so many. There's like, I understand that the, the whole Spider-Man thing is like a metaphor for puberty. Yeah. I understand that. that changes in the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but, already had the wet dream. Yeah. The, but like even the Raimi one is like that, right? Like it's like, oh, you're just going through some changing. Changes, yeah, this you're getting one hair is- where there was no hair. <laughs> yeah. You're starting to have odd feelings yeah. about girls in your class and flies, <laughs> and the doctors beckoned you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just a, just a just a light casual sex crime. Yeah, okay. Now Peter figures there must be some way to make some money with his newfound powers. Peter has a piece of cardboard and a magic marker, and he writes, Human Spider on the cardboard. He thinks about it. Nah. He turns it over and writes, Man Spider. Nah. Nah. He gets another piece and writes, Spider-Man. Nah. He turns it over to write something else, but then he turns it back. Hmm. That's what's written here. Oh, (laughs) It says, Hmm. (laughs) Now cut to the sign leaning against a light pole on the boardwalk Rockaway. Peter has a black fishnet stocking over his head and is dressed all in black. He starts climbing streetlights and doing gymnastics. Peter is back in class, drawing in his maths notebook as the teacher drones on at the whiteboard. He's drawing a costume. 
we see several bad designs. We cut to Peter working on the costume. He buys a snappy lycra dance skin at a dance studio. It is oh, that's, red. Good. that's a great scene, that one. <laughs> yeah. where, where Peter Parker uh, goes to the dance studio. Just, uh, just one dancer. Like, just, anything else? No. No, no that's okay. Sorry, um, that'll be eight fifty, please. Uh, yeah, okay, no, yeah. Um, I guess cash because we're in the 90s. Oh, yeah, 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 there you go. That's a weird thing to yeah. say. <laughs> that scene goes for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, cut to, yeah, Peter's working on his, 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 uh, his costume. Now, the, the one he buys, you're never going to guess. It's red oh. and midnight blue. Oh, of course. With liquid thread, he draws goofy web patterns all over it. Does it say goofy? It says goofy. Okay, that's, <laughs> goofy a, that's web an patterns. interesting choice of words. Last, he makes wrist pieces out of two old watch bands and some cigarette lighters as he uh, silver solds them together. Now, and he what, doesn't need yeah, web shooters. It, yeah. this, this implies that... He is ashamed of his kind of freakish appendages from his body, ah. and he's pretending like the wrist shooters are the things doing it. I I just want to be like everyone else, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just with everyone else's web shooters. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, want these. I'm not. I look, I'm, obviously, I'm not part of the crowd. Obviously, obviously, I'm not one of these jocks. But I do want to be like everyone else. I'm not even these jocks with their own web shooters, okay? <laughs> I'm ashamed of my natural web shooters. Now, next we have a sequence of scenes where we see Spider-Man become a public phenomenon. He does his spider tricks at an upscale party. A booking agent sees him and wants to put him on public access variety shows, the kind of a gong show of weird acts. He gets noticed and becomes kind of a 3 a.m. cult favorite. Cut to an opulent mansion in Manhattan. Marble floors, priceless art on the walls, camera tracking through the luxurious darkness to the vast living room with a fire burning in an enormous fireplace. This sounds like a villain lair. Spider-Man's no. <laughs> One wall. Uncle Ben drinks his scotch. If you think this sounds villainous, check out this. Okay. One wall of the room is covered in TV screens. Oh, mate. Classic lair. Uh, okay, so it was going to be two things there. It was either going to be TV screens yeah. or animal heads. <laughs> Well, they haven't told us what's on the other wall yet. Okay, good. Now, a figure is watching from a high-backed chair, watching the amazing Spider-Man on his variety show. Carlton Strand, you think Trump was big? This guy was big. There he was, sitting like a big fat spider at the center of his web of power and megabucks. And way out at the edge, he feels this little vibration. Boyd. Yes, sir. Find out everything you can about Spider-Man. Yes, sir. But he wasn't always Carlton Strand, any more than I was always your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. At one time, he was just a punk named Carl, a two-time loser, about to go down for the third time. It was about 10 years ago that Strand got his cosmic tap on the shoulder. We now cut to a flashback. 10 years ago in the New Mexico desert. A desolate stretch of desert highway. A single car rockets along the, at high speed. Blue and red lights come over the hill behind it. Inside the car we see a younger and very different Colton Strand. After a shootout with police, we find Strand running, reaching a fence and climbs over there. He's on the run from the bus, he's on the land. Nearby is a small cabin with a sign on it that says, Lightning Field House. A man comes out of the cabin yelling something at him. Strand ignores him and runs into the desert. Now suddenly, the lightning field is struck. And as it was designed to, it takes the energy of the lightning bolt and distributes it from tower to tower until the whole thing is blazing with blinding electronic arcs in a huge rectangular matrix. Caught in the center of it is Strand, crucified by lightning from every direction. So... Am I just? Is that another name that's been changed? I'm not yes. misremembering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, in this Electro, yeah. is, uh, is he's named Max something in, in the comics? Yeah, but Ma this, Max Dillon or something. something uh, like yeah, it might be Max Dillon. Yeah, for yeah. a second I thought of Matt Dillon. <laughs> and I was like, no. Uh, yeah, it might be Max Dillon. Yeah, yeah. But in this Carlton Strand uh, and Boyd that you're hearing about, yeah, that is Sandman. Not known as Boyd in the comics, but in uh, this. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, so yeah, so he's run into an electrical field, 
and he's been crucified by lightning bolts, which is an image I quite like. I think it's the a I- great the idea, image, you know, yeah. The arms out, lightning attacking everywhere. On Strand's... Uh, so the lightning is going on Strand's body. He lies there still. Then incredibly, he stirs. He sits up groggy and disoriented. He's not dead? He's not dead. If anything, he's more bloody powerful. <laughs> Strand escapes in the rain, finding a dirt road through nearby hills. He comes to a ranch house with a pickup truck. He tries the keys. Nothing. He pops the hood and looks. There's no battery. He's in a rage and he grabs two battery cables and the engine starts to turn over. But what's giving it the electricity, Cambo? He he looks at his hand and he realises the voltage is... It's coming from his body. The voltage is coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) He starts the car and slams it into gear and he tears off into the rainy night. He begins to comprehend that somehow he's been changed by the powerful matrix of the electric fields. He can now generate powerful charges like an electric eel. He senses electrical energy as well. The world to him has been transformed. Instead of matter, solid things, he now sees energy, a pulsing web of electric fields. He can sense the current in the wires of the walls. By laying his hand on a telephone wire, he can hear the conversations. That's in quotation marks. By touching a computer, he can download the data from its hard drive. Hang on, hang on. How does that? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Okay, the phone calls I can give you, but sucking data out of a computer because you can, what, generate electricity? Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about data, Eden, but uh, it's generally touch electricity based. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know anything about data. So, I always put USBs in around the wrong way, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I, USBs fascinate me. Because it's the wrong way, and then yeah. turn over, and then it's the wrong way, and, and then, then you turn, turn it back, it, and it's the right way. Yeah, that's a I'll, that's a world truth. Yeah, I want to know what fascinating like quantum mechanics are involved in something like that. But in terms of like the odds of yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> always getting it wrong. Yeah. So he takes over the operation of his former crime ring and aims for a much higher level of crime: the multi-billion-dollar leveraged buyouts, corporate takeovers, offshore bank scams. He's using his ability to steal and manipulate the data. And he turns into, as it's described here, a mega player. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I thought that was going to be his new name. Instead of Electro, it's Mega, mega player. player. So that is a quick origin of Carlton Strand, a.k.a. Electro, in this movie. Okay. So we cut back to the present. In Strand's mansion, a woman enters the room. Oh, she's stunningly beautiful. The kind of woman you would expect with a man of wealth, power, and taste. This is Cordelia. He motions her to him, and she glides over, but stops a foot away. Strand says, I must say, my dear, you look very usable tonight. Oh, <laughs> no, what? Yep. She smiles playfully. This is so creepy. He circles her, almost touching her. His hands move over her, inches from her skin. He leans close and breathes in her scent but he cannot touch her she opens her silk robe underneath she's wearing a rubber wetsuit what (laughs) he touches the rubber running his fingertips over her we hear a faint crackling of electricity they she seems excited but a bit apprehensive Strand says I want you not rubber No, Carl, says Cordelia. Yes. Strand doesn't like the concept of no. He takes her arm in his arm and kisses her with passion and more. Her hair stands straight out from the electronic charge. She begins to convulse in tiny shivers at first, but then it's then like epileptic. It's a badly written sentence. I just had to reread it. (laughs) Suddenly she goes limp. Her eyes stare fixedly at the ceiling. Strand. Shit. He drops her on the couch. Strand's there in misery and isolation. Strand has the Midas touch. He has everything and nothing. His electrical sense gives him the power to manipulate computer bank transfers, the stock market, etc. (laughs) Etc. Yeah, good. Etc. <laughs> to make himself a billionaire, he'll fix that later. 
uh, to sit at the center of the world's greatest electronic web and feel its vibrations. Well, he's a mega player. So he has everything. Yeah. But he cannot touch another person or shake hands without a great effort of will to control his electronic potential. And if he lets his guard down in an intimate moment with a woman, he will kill her with a high-voltage discharge. His love is deadly. <laughs> Does it say that? His love that. is deadly. His love is deadly. Wow. So he has learned to live without love, without the comfort of human touch, emotion, contact. So he has nothing. So did he just kill her? He did. Wow. He quickly unzips the front of her wetsuit and puts his hand over the rubber. Zap! Her body arches. He steps back, scowling, impatient. Her eyes flutter open and she struggles to breathe. Uh, so he's, he's given jumped, her... He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's done the old he, clear. He can, if he can just, jump a car, he can jump a woman. He can jump a heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Cordelia says, I don't know how much more of this I can take, Carl. I thought I thought he <laughs> so was going to... Carl is not a good thing. I, I, I thought he was going to like... Just throw her on the pile of wetsuit-clad women in the corner of the room. It's no, just like, so, uh, we've got another one. This is a bit of a point about Carlton Strand throughout this movie. He loves Cordelia. Oh, okay. Cordelia. So he's a one-woman kind of guy. I know what you're thinking. What? Spider-Man movie. Where the bloody hell is Spider-Man? I've forgotten. It was, I thought this was a, a mega player movie. <laughs> mega player one. <laughs> Peter starts slipping as a student, missing sleep, feeling the strain of a dual life. During their spider project together, Peter and Mary Jane Bond. Oh. Doesn't give any details about how the hell. She's, <laughs> but she says, I, I know we're getting on yeah. better, but I just want to reiterate, <laughs> I would never date a spider. Yeah, but you say never. What do you mean by never? <laughs> I mean never. Well, I, maybe though. No, mate, if I see a sp- I will kill a spider well, on what side. What if it's the uh, size of a human? <laughs> well, even then, <laughs> even if it was the most attractive spider I've ever seen that is indistinguishable from a human, I would still never date them. What if it had weird web things on its wrist? Oh, well, that's a different story. <laughs> that I don't mind. <laughs> so Peter's walking out of school with Mary Jane when they are ambushed by Flash. He starts to ridicule Peter and then Flash, threatens him. him Peter just clenches his jaw and backs away. Whoa, so Spider has yeah, a real yeah, seething yeah. anger yeah, in this movie. And there's like a lot of allusions to him being drawn to darkness. Yeah, well, yeah, it seems very emo. Through, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think James Cameron was working some stuff out when yeah, he Yes. Uh, so, through a row of bushes, we see Flash grab Mary Jane by the arm and spin her around. They are arguing. Flash slaps her across the face. What? Peter is so enraged, his hands snap a four-inch tree limb without even realising it. Flash is walking to his car after gymnastics practice. You know, he's a gymnast. Yeah, yeah. It's he, dark. He's doing backflips yeah. to his car. A <laughs> 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 figure droops silently down behind it. Hey, punk! Flash spins and sees a guy in a black fishnet mask. Thinking it's a robbery, Flash swings, only to grab his own fist in pain. It's like hitting oak. Peter holds Flash with one hand and slaps him hard. How do you like it, huh? Says Peter. He slaps him again, backhand. Then he cocks back with his fist and blam. He punches Flash so hard that he flies 10 feet. He picks him up, gets him in a painful armor and marches him around his beloved Porsche and slams him brutally against it. He pounds Flash into the car until the jock collapses, semi-conscious. Peter then rips a signpost off the ground and pounds the car into junk. Glass flies everywhere. Peter leans close to Flash and tells him, You stay away from Mary Jane or else. Wow. That's good. <laughs> Get you know, dark. Him, um, him smashing the car reminds me of the bonus stage in uh, Street Fighter 2 when you've got to uh, you've got to just punch the car <laughs> until it blows up. It's like a little Porsche. It's like right? a little mission. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's, you get bonus points. But that's what I'm imagining <laughs> when he's doing that. <laughs> little points going ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding. <laughs> Bit like, to be clear, like obviously this Flash, dark, bad right? dude, right? Yeah. Slapping around uh, Mary Jane. But Peter like attacks him in an alley, beats him to within an inch of he life and beats him badly. Beats him badly. It says pounds him into the ground yeah. and then smashes up his porch. So we cut to Peter running. He stops around the corner, out of sight. In the darkness, he stands panting, looking down at his hands. He rubs his knuckles. Now, he comes home and when Peter is... He's a bit lost. There's a certain figure that appears into Peter's life. Oh, yeah, I know who, I know who this is. Uncle Ben. Yes, with his sage advice. And 
When he comes home, Uncle Ben is sitting in the kitchen waiting for Peter. Now, coveted role in any oh, Spider-Man movie. P- Uncle Ben always has to give a speech, generally around the theme of responsibility. and uh, It's always with great power yeah. comes great response. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. this is a coveted role, and Eden, I wanted to award this role to you. Oh, So I've sent you the Uncle Ben scene, and I want you as earnestly and as Uncle Ben as you can to read the advice that Uncle Ben would give Peter. Imagine, he's just beaten a man after death. He's done hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of property damage. Okay. He's rubbing his red knuckles. <laughs> Uncle Ben's sitting in the kitchen, and what does he say? I know I've not been a very good father, Peter. Yeah, I like the oldness you've gone for there. I've, got, I've, I've gone for some oldness. <laughs> <laughs> you come into my life 20 years past my prime... I know you're wrestling with things now that I can't help you with much. I was your age once. I know it's, it's hard to imagine. And it was the most painful, confusing time of my whole life. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers for you, but I do want you to know we're here for you, May and I. You can talk to us. If you're having problems, we'll understand. Thing is, Peter doesn't really even acknowledge poor Uncle Ben. Even after a performance like that. Even after. With me changing my accent three times. Mate, ben leaves the room knowing he's failed. Are you kidding me? Here's- Let me do it again. Let me do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I can take another shot at this. That was a cold read. Let's do it again. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um... Up until the Tom Holland era of Spider-Man, why did we all collectively assume his aunt and uncle would be so old? Yeah, that's true. Because when Marissa Tomei was cast... Oh, yeah, everyone was like, oh, she's young. But then you kind of do the maths and you're like, oh, yeah, she could be... Because she'd be the same age as his mum. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like... In the, in Which the, actually makes sense. Yeah, like because it makes way more sense. Of like a, it's a grandmother figure that it's always presented as, right? Like little old woman in a cardigan and the grey hair. You're blowing my mind. That should be his mum's sister. sister. Yeah. Oh, my. I think you've stumbled on something. <laughs> That's really strange, isn't it? It's really. And like a lot of what, what Ben is saying in that speech is like, I know I was 20 years older than whatever. That's like a parental gap. Ga- <laughs> yeah, massively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Obviously, Spider-Man's conflicted, a cornerstone of any Spider-Man story. And James Cameron did shed a little light on what he wanted his Spider-Man to be about. What did Jim say? It's really about identity. It's about identity and values. And when you're, when you're 16, 17 years old, you're not accepting what you've been told. You have, you're creating your own value system, and everybody does. And uh, if you can do anything you want and nobody can stop you, and you're 17 years old... You better have a pretty good value system or you better find one. So that's the concept he's trying to play with here. It's all about Peter struggling with his values. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to tell you the next scene. Peter, boy of 17, what do you think he's doing next? Strip club. Spying on Mary Jane. (laughs) I was close. I was pretty close. (laughs) That's what this sentence says. Spying on Mary Jane, the girl of his dreams, he discovers that her home is a living hell with mean-spirited and abusive parents. Now, here's the thing. Oh, He's wow. obviously trying to help her, but he is spying on Mary Jane. Yeah, this is too creepy. Now, after another successful uh, after another successful spot on TV, Spider-Man... I thought you were going to say, after another successful spying on Mary Jane, <laughs> Spider-Man... Sticky himself. sheets again. <laughs> After another successful spot on TV, Spider-Man is leaving backstage when he's approached by the most beautiful woman he's ever met. What? Cordelia. Oh, not Mary Jane. She appears out of the shadows and hands him a note. It says, there are others like you. Oh. There is an address and a time for a rendezvous if he wants to learn more. He looks up and the woman is gone. That's right, he'll spy on her later. She was wearing a full body wetsuit. <laughs> she jumped into the Hudson River yeah, and swam away. away. Suddenly, a large hand grabs him and spins him around. He confronts a solidly built guy in a trench coat, hat pulled down to shadow the mean eyes. This is Boyd, who we heard of earlier. His hands are huge. Peter tries to shrug off the grip. 
but he's surprised. He can't. He punches Boyd in the stomach, but his fist sinks into it, up to the elbow. He pulls the hand out and sees that it's covered with sand. Enter Sandman. It doesn't say (laughs) enter Sandman. No, it doesn't. Enter Sandman. (laughs) (laughs) Boyd slams Spider-Man in the jaw with a roundhouse haymaker. He's writing like a 1950s comic, isn't he? Yeah, like, it's, it's, she was aghast. He gave yeah. him a real roundhouse haymaker. Hey, this dame came in, gave me a note, see? <laughs> Spider-Man is slammed back against the alley wall. One more solid roundhouse and Peter is on his knees, gasping. Peter kicks Boyd in the face. But his face dissolves again into sand, which runs down. His whole body losing its form, ripping into a puddle of sand, which drains and grates down into the tunnel below the alley. What? Whoa. Who do you think that was? (laughs) Well, we have come to the end of part one of James Cameron's Spider-Man. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. It really does help us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could leave us a five-star rating, or most importantly of all, tell a friend. We are completely independent here at Cancelled Movie Report, so your support really does mean the world to us. Hey, what do you think of the movie so far? And have we missed anything? We'd love to hear from you. You can always get in touch with us via cancelledmovies at gmail.com or at cancelledmovies on all of the socials. And hey, maybe there's a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about. Why not let us know? You can fill out a form in the episode description alerting us to a project and we may just give it the cancelled movie report treatment. I'm Michael Campbell. I've hosted and edited this episode and Eden Porter was my co-host too and we both produced the show. We would also like to thank our amazing voice cast, which are all listed in the episode notes. And make sure you are listening next week for the conclusion of James Cameron's Spider-Man. But if you can't wait, here is a little sneak peek. It's it's spider-sex scene. So just a second. What? This the hell was that? Is It's spider-bondage. That is, that is quite possibly the worst sex scene. Yeah. I could ever think of. (laughs) But until next week, take care.